1: We are beginning to look, shall we say, to the, north, uh, to the north and south of the commercial corridors into the residential neighborhoods, looking at uh, vacant land that the city owns and how it could be RFP to create housing opportunities, opportunities for home ownership, two and three flats. So you anchor the corridor and then you build the re- rooftops and uh, repopulate the, uh, the neighborhoods in a way that the strategy is holistic.
0: Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is the visionary Detroit planner spearheading Mayor Lori Lightfoot's Invest Southwest initiative. Maurice Cox, thank you so much for joining us. Happy Labor Day.
1: Thank you. It's my pleasure.
0: How are you on this beautiful day?
1: oh my it's uh this is the magic moment for chicago this is the season where everything looks really super great and uh you know the temperature is just right and uh we're busy as ever
0: it's a chamber of commerce day that's right (laughs) (laughs) last week the first of the projects in invest southwest to revive 10 long-neglected South and West Side commercial strips finally broke ground. There's been two years of talk and planning and outreach and all kinds of things. You're finally in the ground with what I believe will be a $43 million project in Auburn-Gresham. And this is going to be followed by a groundbreaking a month through the election, which is no surprise. Will Invest Southwest continue if there is a change in administration? Are you pressured to get as many projects in the ground as possible before the election, just in case?
1: Um, You know, the timeline for this type of urban transformation is uh, unfortunately not political. I mean, projects take 18 to 24 months. Um, There's a lot of um, due diligence through public process. So uh, the, the work that we're doing is trying to change the arc uh, and the attitude about economic redevelopment. And so we're, you know, we happen to be at a great clip where there will be a groundbreaking every month, but into the new year, we will continue that same clip until all of these projects are coming out of the ground.
0: But are you concerned about what happens after the election?
1: No, I think we have gotten momentum within the community. These are projects that the community now support and they are stewarding. Uh, and uh, the planning, the planning department and our project managers are on the ground and we, they don't change uh, independent of the leadership um, by an administration.
0: Too far gone to turn back now is what you're saying.
1: <laughs> I think I I believe it. I believe that these are structural changes that have been made uh, that will allow um, private sector and public sector um, to to partner. Uh, these are our relationships that are being built that um, we think have a sense of permanence. And that has always been uh, always been the hope.
0: And when you say change the arc, What do you mean by that, sir?
1: Well, I think um, historically, we have not used the public dollars that we have invested in neighborhoods on the south and west side uh, to the purpose of leveraging those dollars to bring the private sector in partnership in the right way into these communities. And so uh, it's a very different strategy. We've been able to leverage um, the tax increment finance dollars and other financial incentives to multiply that um, with um, private equity that has come in to these communities. And so those 10 Invest Southwest RFP sites represent over $360 million of investment uh, and the uh, public investment is only a fraction of that.
0: But, you know, I have to disagree with you just a little bit because I remember when Richard M. Daly used public buildings. He built all these police and fire stations and libraries, and he used mm-hmm. that as a catalyst for neighborhood development. Rahm Emanuel did the same. And he very even different. created the Neighborhood Opportunity Fund so uh, that you're using very now, different. by the way. So what's different? Well, d- very
1: different strategy. They're, we're not talking about... Um, police services or public services. We're talking about private development. We're talking about hundreds of families that will have expanded housing options. We're talking about local anchoring retail that are providing amenities. Um, so there, this is not a program of public facilities. This is a program of mixed use private development with new families and new businesses populating um, these commercial corridors.
0: What comes after Invest Southwest? Is there a part two? What else do these neighborhoods need to become mixed use neighborhoods that people really want to live in?
1: Sure. Well, I think there are a number of things. Um, The Department of Transportation is coming behind us on all of these catalytic projects and completely remaking the public realm. The sidewalks shade trees um, uh, pedestrian oriented furniture that those are amazing um, things that change the image the infrastructure of those corridors we are beginning to look shall we say to the north uh, to the north and south of the commercial corridors into the residential neighborhoods looking at uh, vacant land that the city owns and how it could be R.P. to create housing opportunities opportunities for home ownership, two and three flats, so you anchor the corridor and then you build the re- rooftops uh, and uh, repopulate the uh, the neighborhoods in a way that the strategy is holistic.
0: yeah I mean uh, that was going to be my next question, how are you going to grow Chicago's population and stop years of population decline. Chicago has lost more than 85,000 African-American residents over the last 10 years, according to the census. What's it going to take to reverse that exodus?
1: Right. Well, I think it gets to this question about the quality of life in neighborhoods and what are the amenities that people expect to have uh, in healthy neighborhoods. And that's why we started with the commercial corridors, those former downtowns, uh, where people could get everything they needed within a 15-minute walk of their home. Uh, and so we had to start there and uh, re-establishing those services and uh, building population. That's why we started with rental housing first. We can, we can bring hundreds of new families uh, into those corridors near transit, but we also need you know homeowners. So this idea that we will now come back and it will be on the side streets. You probably won't see it on your way home, but that is the, the slower way to rebuild these neighborhoods. So it's a very pro-growth. I would say it's a very in- inclusive growth strategy because uh, it it acknowledges that there's enormous uh, demand for uh, neighborhood amenities. And those are for people who already live in our neighborhoods. And uh adding new families, uh, and I think you know to, and it's not just you know special populations that are in need of housing it's it's your you know professional who's returning from college and wants to live in the neighborhood they grew up in and wants uh, an apartment that you otherwise would only find in the downtown or downtown adjacent neighborhoods for the first time, those young professionals, those young families, will find the quality of housing that you find in other parts of the city right there in the neighborhood that they know and they love.
0: But you have to ask yourself, why did these families leave in the first place? And one of the reasons they left is because of crime. Have you seen any evidence that crime is causing some companies to avoid Chicago or any employers leaving because of crime? The way, for example, billionaire Ken Griffin Illinois's richest man did so publicly, but maybe they did it quietly. Are crime and other issues like property taxes overshadowing your work in neighborhood development?
1: Well, I mean, I think perception um, might be overshadowing uh, the work. And the perception that a neighborhood isn't safe is compounded when you pass by a boarded up retail Um, establishment or a vacant lot so our job as planners is to repopulate those corridors fill in all those gaps with active ground floor uses um, repopulate the, the, uh, the, the stories above those shops and put eyes on the street and we know that streets that have lots of pedestrians and eyes on the streets are some of the safest environments you can create so this is our Community safety strategy, and it's it's not only um, eyes on the street, but it's also welcoming uh, people on the street. So the corridor ambassador program that the mayor launched will literally have hundreds of people on this on the street, identifiable, who can help people navigate um, as they're on these streets. And this is a, a very community oriented approach uh, to changing the perception that these corridors are not welcoming.
0: But back to my question about the Ken Griffins of the world and any other companies that are doing it quietly, voting with their feet. Have you seen evidence that crime and rising property taxes are are making it difficult and maybe dissuading some companies from looking at Chicago or having them
1: leave? You know, I I have to I can't I can't speculate on those who've left. I can Speculate a bit on those who have doubled down their commitment to these neighborhoods. So you have uh, the terminal uh, in Humble Park now, which is going to be a tech hub. In um, uh, it's been designed or been developed by um, uh, his name is escaping me, uh, Gary Pachuki, uh, and uh, this is a place that um, is architecturally re- quite beautiful and distinct. It's not near a CTA station, and yet uh, he has made that level of commitment to Humble Park or Northwestern that's going to op- operate a $100 million um, health center, again, in Bronzeville. So mm-hmm. I'm looking at the, them as exemplars or the Discover, uh, Discover Center uh, in Chatham um, that is producing hundreds of jobs in a former big box. So I look at those leaders and say, how did they make a pro um, South side and West side decision? And that's the model that we think should become the dominant model. And if we have enough leaders who, who set that tone, I think others will naturally follow.
0: Do you foresee Bally's having any trouble getting the approval that they need from the Illinois gaming board for its permanent casino in river West and the temporary one at Medina temple?
1: Well, I mean, uh, I think they're really well poised um, to, um, to have a successful um, outcome. Uh, they have so far uh, been amazing uh, partners on the local level, and if they approach the state with the same determination and clarity of purpose uh, that they have um, here in Chicago, I think they will fare extremely well.
0: And you were instrumental in insisting that the design of that permanent casino make the river more accessible, that it become another attraction along the river, that this casino be like, unlike really any casino in the country or even the world. How did you do that? What was so important to you? And have they refined anything in the Mm -hmm. interim?
1: Well, uh, trying to create, the most urban casino in America, without uh, the benefit of uh, having much of a precedent or being able to say what the, where the site should be was uh, an amazing um, uh challenge for us. How do we communicate uh Chicagoness and how do we even define what a urban casino is um, was really the the challenge that the planning department uh, took on and So we talked about all of those amenities that are in addition to the gaming floor, uh, you know, museum, uh, theater, uh, a park, uh, access to the river, um, the kinds of amenities that whether you are a gamer or not, you would go to this destination. And I think Valleys met that challenge uh, beautifully and uh, have produced um, a very urban expression that will enhance the river and really acknowledge its unique place in the river system. So more landscape, more native uh, plants, more naturalized edge. You know, this is a casino that will have a multi-acre park um, that gives uh, residents um, independent access to the river. So I think we've been able to leverage um, that notion about what is so unique about Chicago that will make this site a destination uh, and valleys, you know, won on multiple fronts, but they also won, won on um, their ability to to imagine uh, a casino that the United States has yet to see.
0: And how important is that concert venue that the residents don't like?
1: Um, you know, I have uh, we haven't really focused on the outdoor concerts. Uh, I think. The um, the developers have heard the community and are adjusting their uh, expectations about how public space is used based on the constant feedback they've been receiving by the adjacent neighbors. Um, so I think they've been incredibly. How have they
0: changed it? How have they changed it and adjusted their expectations? Are they ha- are they dropping anything? Are they refining anything? What are they doing?
1: Well, I, I think they have increased significantly its uh, landscape feature. Uh, a lot more trees, uh, a lot less hardscape. Um, there, are no, there are no band shells or anything that would anticipate that this is uh, going to be for outdoor concerts. So the con- the conversations we've been having the, with them have to do with how they increase the pedestrian orientation and make sure that the public spaces are really gathering spaces. For people um, uh, to actually uh, linger uh, in, in a much in a much more um, kind of European feel where uh, pedestrians outnumber vehicles, uh, trees outnumber hardscape, and that, that's really been the push that we've made since they revealed the the public um presentation.
0: Have you played any role in relocating the Tribune plant at the casino site? Any thought where they might go?
1: The printing um, no, plant. we don't, no we don't have uh, we don't have uh, a resolution that's still ongoing uh, about the relocation. But we have so many um, areas of our city where uh, that use could be accommodated that I, I'm pretty confident that we'll be able to resolve that.
0: And you don't think they'll go to Wisconsin? <laughs> they
1: have some land up there I, I think yeah well i think we have uh we have some choice uh manufacturing industrial districts uh where uh, that where
0: we, would you like well. to see them go
1: uh, i'm not i'm not sure there's any specific one just yet i just know that we have sites and our job is to showcase them to them so that they understand that they have viable buy, viable options right here in the city
0: You also played a major role in the design of Mayor Lori Lightfoot's what I call Hail Mary Pass to convince the Bears to stay at a renovated and domed soldier field at perhaps a cost of $2.2 billion, which I'm not sure where that's coming from. Um, and yet we're hearing signs that the Bears, and we have all along, that they are going to exercise their option to purchase that land at the Arlington International Racecourse site, $197 million. How can taxpayers, first of all, if they were to stay, how could taxpayers possibly afford $2.2 2. 2 billion? Where would it come from?
1: Well, I mean, I think, you know, obviously it's really early Uh, to be able to say how the project would be financed. I mean, we have a a broad, broad notion of uh, the cost. The first, the first issue was, is it feasible? Can it be done? Uh, And what are the benefits of having a covered, um, you know, stadium and what that does in terms of activating or reactivating uh, the museum uh, campus? and uh so we you know we've made our case public uh I would say it's it's compelling uh it's feasible uh and now the job is to see um if it has moved the needle on discussion um well, compelling
0: on, uh, and feasible how if you don't say how you're gonna pay for it compelling well, I mean, yes, I, feasible i don't know
1: well, I think that the financing um of uh Data are, are pretty complex, and there are multiple scenarios for how it could be done. We haven't landed on any single one, um, but we, we know that it is uh, feasible, architecturally it's feasible, and that there are financial models for how it's been done. And uh, the job will be to dig deep, to look at that, and then we have scenarios to present them to the public for consideration.
0: And what happens, sir, if the Bears as it looks like they will leave. What, ha- what do you do with Soldier Field? What do you do with the museum campus?
1: Well, I mean, that's largely why we took a broad look at w- how uh, the museum campus could become a more attractive destination. And the understanding that there's, that the, the um, Soldier uh, Field could be a year round venue for uh, arts and entertainment. Uh, and so that is independent of the question of the bears, uh, we can get, um, uh, we can get 365 days a year activity out of a soldier field that has, uh, has been renewed and, uh, and, and capped. And so that idea is valid, independent of what sports franchise, um, occupies it.
0: You think the dome is going to happen whether or not the bears day?
1: No, I just know that it is, um, it is one of the options that extends its uh, use um, for 365 days a year. So, it has to be taken into consideration. Um, uh, and so, I, I, that has been one of the um, real benefits of having this potential challenge of retaining the bears or not in Chicago has really forced the city to look at the utilization of that in, amazing um, uh, event uh, venue.
0: And do you see the uh, movement of the Northerly Island, the so-called temporary concert venue that became permanent for a long time, will that be moved no matter what happens to the Soldier Field parking lot and free up Northerly Island to be what it was supposed to be, this wonderful nature preserve?
1: Right. Well, I think that was, uh, you know, I think that we now know that there are options that could return Northern Northern Ireland to uh, its original intent. Um, this is a lot, we know a lot more now than we did uh, before um, this uh, museum campus uh, framework. So um, the whole intent was to expand our options, to open up uh, things that we had not previously seen, uh, and see it with a new a fresh set of eyes. uh, And now we can uh, go from there.
0: So you see that happening regardless?
1: Uh, You know, I think what we're trying to now look is to dig deep on what are some of the short-term, near-term, and then ultimately long-term outcomes from the study. Um, The important thing is to show momentum uh, and do some of the things that can be imageable and show progress. Uh, and then take our time uh, and thoughtfully um, study uh, the implications of some of the ones that are much um, more significant changes to the way the museum campus operates. The important thing is we brought we brought these institutions together. They are now um, um, much more aligned than they were um, six months ago, and so it's a process, uh, but it's a process that I think that is yielding already result, result, results uh, relative to how they govern and manage um, these assets,
0: North Michigan Avenue has a ton of vacancies. As you know, the city doesn't have a ton of tools to support Michigan Avenue. What do you envision as the future of the Mag Mile, and how does it need to reinvent itself with retail changing?
1: Yeah, I think I think that's um, that the point of reinvention is uh, is the key there. Uh, Great streets like the Magmall have to constantly re uh, reimagine themselves to truly stay magnificent. And through the help of the uh, the Urban Land Institute technical assistance panel, they came up with a whole variety of ideas about um, you know increasing uh, food and beverage and dining on on the corridor, making it less of a pass through corridor and more of a destination. Uh, Tying it to some of the amenities that are off the corridor, uh, whether it be uh, the route to Navy Pier or the Oak Street um, Beach, or maximizing the imageability of the corridor uh, at the water tower uh, towards the MCA. So um, uh, we were excited by their focus on enhancing the pedestrian experience. uh, And... uh, you know, we think that we can actually act on uh, some of those um, curation and programmatic um, recommendations. And you already saw some of that in 2021 with uh, meeting you on the Mile on Sundays um, and a wrap, uh, wrap on the Mile, the art installation. So I think there are ways to make it more of a people-oriented space, uh, less of a corridor to somewhere else and more of a destination in its own right.
0: So what happens next and what happens to all these vacancies, including the uh, Macy's at Water Tower Place?
1: Well, I mean, I think, you know, we continue to um, try to understand where the market wants to go in uh, retail. It tends, it's tending toward a more unique, more kind of experiential uh, type of retail. You've recently seen uh, a um, the Tribune uh, Tower, uh, has a new, uh, ice cream, um, you know, palace, uh, we've done some, uh, pop-ups, uh, with, uh, more kind of ethnic offerings and that are more temporary, that are doing extremely well. So the important thing is to continue to populate it with unique experiential retail. And some of the bigger questions for what to do you know, with, um, you know, um, uh, Macy's or other um, large floor plate uh, retailers, I think that is going to take more time. Uh, the main thing is to experiment, to test ideas, and keep the public coming back to the mile.
0: And what about State Street in the future of that? The Macy's store has converted several floors to office space, and yet the store is empty whenever I've gone in there. Are you concerned about what will happen to Macy's if that store were to close, that was once that wonderful Marshall Field's. What would happen to it? What's the future hold for that?
1: Well, I mean, those are the right uh, questions, and those are the questions we're trying uh, to answer. You know, some some of this has to do with attracting um, a population to State Street, and so you see, you've seen some of the activation. Uh, on State Street um, as well. Uh, And there are thousands of people who normally don't come to that street who are discovering it uh, as an event place. Uh, And so the more eyes you get, the more folks who see it as a natural part of their uh, entertainment and shopping experience, uh, the more you will attract um, anchor retailers. Uh, to that space, so it's about increasing the visibility, inc- increasing the familiarity, uh, and then that in and of itself becomes a tool uh, to market um, those spaces that uh, are are have uh, whose tendency is is uh, down.
0: Google is moving to a renovated uh, Thompson Center. You hope to use that as a catalyst to revive the central loop. What about the future of the LaSalle Street corridor further south, which has some of the highest vacancy rates? How can the city maintain LaSalle Street as Chicago's primary business corridor or is it future something else maybe?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that LaSalle, um, just because of the uniqueness of the street, uh, um, has enormous uh, potential. I mean, it's one of the most imageable uh, streets uh, of Chicago. Uh, and the the question is, how do you move it from a, a monoculture of uh, offices uh, and make truly uh, mixed-use um corridor where people actually live. And so, some of the vacancy you're seeing has uh, represents an opportunity. And we've seen already, uh, at least in the market rate column, um, conversion from office to residential uh, at uh, 29 South LaSalle, uh, which is called, I think it's called the Millennium, and it's over 200 units of housing uh, on LaSalle. I actually believe that that is integral to the future of LaSalle and uh, that many of the owners of these buildings that are seeing vacancies are seriously starting to look at what it would mean to make their buildings uh, mixed use. So you have, you know, job anchors uh, like the state or job new tech anchors like Google, and people could actually live within a 15-minute walk of their work in one of these beautiful historic buildings. Um, So I think the city is going to work mightily to try to find a way to make that um, feasible uh, for current owners. Uh, and then I think it's the street itself. Uh, and I know with my uh, colleague, uh, Commissioner Biagi, we've been talking about how how do you make LaSalle the most unique, forward-thinking street in the world uh, relative to uh, its pedestrian orientation, relative to its transit? Um, relative to its kind of imageability. And so I think those um, suggest that there is a really robust future of LaSalle. Uh, and we know uh, from Google um, and the developer that brought them to the table, they too believe that it's possibly one of the most forward thinking streets that they could find in Chicago.
0: The U.S. deal, South Works sites has bedeviled every commissioner, everybody who sat in your job, and you haven't made any progress on that either. And yet it's this beautiful stretch of land, troublesome, yes, uh, polluted maybe, sure, but it's lakefront land on the south side that has eluded progress for decades. What are you going to do? What is the future there?
1: Yeah, well, when you think about the size of that site and the uh, acknowledgement that it is uh, about the size of the loop itself, uh, you understand why it has been so vexing. Uh, you don't build a whole new city at the far south side of, of uh, Chicago uh, in a day uh, or um, you know easily. So uh, I feel that it requires um, probably an incremental or phased approach. Um, We have to show some progress, um, but um, my best advice is that we take it in in chunk sizes, bite sizes, uh, but that it be guided by a a longer vision that can be implemented in phases. Uh, I just, you know, I feel really strongly that our focus on existing neighborhoods um, that have been disinvested in that are incremental in nature and can be repaired is the right place to start before we take on hundreds of acres of sites. So our- So are you gonna make our, any
0: progress on this? do you have anything you, for the South Work site to even begin in bite sizes?
1: I My attention has been on how to uh, renovate, retrofit, revitalize these 10, to start yeah um right communities of the south and west side. So and that's are, been your focus. Yeah. And we will continue to focus on it like a laser and give people the confidence that we can change the trajectory of those communities and then sure I think we'll be able people will be more trusting of the city to take on something like the US steel site.
0: Now, you talked about uh, the shuttered schools, and one of the biggest problems, one of the most frustrating things in your tenure has been the inability to make any progress on those. And that's really important. And you talked about, you know, activating portions of shuttered schools. What's happening on that front?
1: Um, We have, uh, I mean, I I agree. It's a little bit like the US Steel site. I mean, how, how do you comprehensively address 50 shuttered schools? Um, I think you have to think about them in an incremental phased manner. Uh, and so w- the thing we've done since I first talked about this is we've convened uh, a cross-agency group of, uh, of departments to begin to look at what role each of us could play if we were to activate uh, a school partially. Uh, and the building department uh, is uh, a key player in that. Um, But we've gotten uh, a lot of interest uh, in this idea, and uh, but our first order of business is to get our own internal house in order to see what different uh, agencies have to do in order to facilitate this more incremental approach to activating the, the schools. So the they can, city was
0: authorized to spend 800000 to acquire the West Garfield Park site of a shuttered Aldi's. What's happening on that? Do you have a new grocer, a new tenant? What good is acquisition if you don't have the tenant?
1: Aldi's? Um, the intention there, uh, I think we are um, maybe uh, weeks away uh, from uh, aqu- having the site uh, transferred. Uh, and acquired that will then allow us to um, market the site for um, a mixed-use development that would be anchored uh, by a grocer. Um, it uh, we will rf we will uh, put out a request, for, a request for proposals, much as we've done with the other in the Southwest uh, communities. And uh, um, I'm very very optimistic that um, there will be uh, it will become the catalytic um development for uh for that corridor for for you have a
0: grocer or are you going to look for one
1: no we will be um putting together a call for mixed-use development proposals and specifically uh asking uh grocers to be a part of the um anchor um tenant and response to the rfp
0: and what about the whole foods in englewood that's closing
1: um that i know that the developer um bl3 is uh, actively showing the the building to prospective um uh anchor uh, grocers uh and i have enormous confidence uh, because of the high visibility of the site uh that that he will be successful in finding a replacement
0: and finally sir uh your former uh planning commissioner your predecessor one of them, mm-hmm. Andy Mooney, wrote an article saying the city has encouraged too much development in Fulton market, overburdening century old street grids, utility lines. Do you agree with that?
1: uh I couldn't agree less um <laughs> with uh, the idea that the the hottest real estate um district in the country is is too hot uh it is um by nature incremental uh we are increasing the public realm at every uh, every parcel that's being developed uh there's a vision for um um more transit uh as the the metra uh line is uh, imagined so uh this is what this is what cities uh look like and feel like and uh i think uh chicago has done everything right to, to create the preconditions for, uh, again, one of the most successful and imageable uh, districts uh, that has emerged in the past couple of decades.
0: Commissioner Cox, thank you so much. It must be fun to be one of the nation's best respected urban theorists and have Chicago as your canvas.
1: Thank you. It's been my pleasure.
0: Thank you for joining us, sir, and we will see you all next week.